Welcome to the One Million Euro Podcast. I'm Aris. I talk to people from the business world about their mission and money and their rise to success. I am welcoming our guests to the studio. Welcome. Introduce yourself. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about psychology of winning and winning conditions. I got really interested in, in the conditions for winning and of course of success. So in my previous episodes, I've been talking to different female founders and their experience in, in raising capital. And in one of the episodes um, with Arusha Brown from Quan Wellbeing, I asked her a question that a lot of you know female founders face that they were like having a lot of rejections when they're raising capital from investors or from VCs, venture capitalists, and how to deal with those rejections. She told me that she found two you know things really important, and it was self confidence and self efficacy. Self confidence, of course, I've heard a lot. You know, when you have confidence in things, and uh, but you know, confidence you build. Usually when you have confidence, when you have done things before, um, then afterwards you have confidence that you can do that. But the difficulty with confidence is if you haven't done it before, how to develop that confidence that you can do it. And she then pointed out the term like self-efficacy, which she found really important. And I want to talk about self-efficacy and the psychology of winning and winning conditions. So... Self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the belief in one's capability to succeed in a particular situation. And that, you know, transfers to how you think, how you behave, and how you feel. So it's not only to say like, oh, I believe um, that I can do this algebra test, for example, but also... You believe it, but also your behavior. So that means that you need to study and and also that you feel that you can do this. So those three components are really important because it's not only like saying or having affirmations like, oh, I believe I can pass this algebra test. I can believe they can do it. But it's also a component of, of really your behavior also that you need to study and put in the time to work, to study, to do it, and also how you feel about it, that you feel that you can do this. And if you feel that you can do this, you take more time to learn. What I found really interesting about self-efficacy, I just read this article from, and they just say like, you know, self-efficacy has like four components. Uh, The first one is to observe. So you observe somebody else's behavior. So let's say I'm doing my algebra test. I'm observing somebody who's really good at math and I look at what they are doing. So in this example, I will look and I will see like, oh, this person is studying every day. I will ask that person, see that they're studying every day, at least one hour or two hours. Then I know I also need to study two hours if I want to pass this exam, at least. 
So the first component is like observing. The second one is attention. <clears throat> so I need to have the attention to see what is happening. So in my example with learning algebra, I need to put my attention to those people who are learning algebra really well and what kind of habits they have. So I have my attention that they are studying, um, I see that they study, but I also see that they ask questions while I'm in class and they want to know. So if they don't understand something, they raise their finger and they ask at the, at the teacher. So I can also see that they're not only studying, but they are also uh, asking questions when they don't know it. The third component of uh, self-efficacy is retention. So when I'm back home and I picking everything up and saying, I'm going to do this with algebra. I need to remember what the behavior was, what I saw. And I saw that the person who was really good at algebra said that she was studying at least two hours uh, a day. That means for me then three hours a day um, was asking questions. She had notes of what, what she didn't understand. She would ask the teacher, so I know that I at least need to study two hours for me then three hours, um, and that I need to take notes at home when I don't understand something and take it back and ask the teacher and do those things and not wait passively hoping that somebody else is going to ask my question, which I would sometimes be hoping for. Then the third, the, the fourth, uh, component of self-efficacy is uh, a reproduction. So is the focus and the retention. Can I replicate that behavior so that I can as well at least study three hours a day, write down the things I don't know, go to class, and if I don't know, ask the teacher. Don't wait passively to myself. Ask the question. Write down if I don't know it and I don't understand it, ask more questions. So I just observe the person, but now I need to replicate, study, put in the work, write down, come back, ask when I'm in the class. The fifth component is motivation and drive. So I need to be really motivated to get that algebra. I need to be on point. I need to feel it. I need to wake up every day and say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna ask questions. This is it. Algebra and me, we're going to do is we're going to pass this test. So what I found really interesting with self-efficacy is you have the belief, but it's a belief that it's embodied. So I call it embodied belief because you also need to have that behavior and thinking and feeling, but not on your own. And this is why I find self-efficacy so interesting is that you don't need to do everything by yourself uh, because you observe other successful people who are doing it. So as psychologists, I'm really always interested in the psychology of winning. And of course, the opposite of winning is losing. Why I'm so interested in this, in this particularly <clears throat> this concept, a lot of things have been said about mindset, that you need to have the right mindset. So let's say in this example of algebra, 
I need to have the right mindset um, to, you know, pass this exam. But with only mindset, I need to do everything myself. Everything is dependent on me. The self-efficacy, there's a part that I need to have the belief, but also a part that you can observe successful people. And I think that is really powerful. I was just wanted to take you to a different example. If we talk about psychology of, of, of winning and success, um, because nowadays I've noticed that everybody's talking about mindset. If things are not working out, it's your mindset. You need to believe, you need to believe, you need to believe. I've heard it a lot. And if you if you fail, for example, in your algebra test, and everybody says, okay, you didn't have the mindset. And I'm, I'm always wondering about it. So that's why I'm putting into the light of self-efficacy. I really believe that there are conditions for winning. And that belief in yourself is just one part of it. And just let me explain. If we take your self-efficacy and say that you believe in one's capability to succeed in a particular situation. And let's take a different example. I love to talk about running. I'm a runner. I love to run uh, races. I have run like 30 different uh, running races uh, from 5k to half marathons so uh, I love running I love being fit love being out there love being outside and there was a point that I was you know like so many other people just wanted to be fit and train more outside I was training in the gym and then I thought you know why am I inside while the sun is outside so then I start, you know, working out more, running more outside instead of inside in the gym. And then just to motivate me, I would go to like running races once a month. And, you know, so I had something to look out for. And I'll go to a 5K race, uh, go with friends, you know, get ready. It's always like this really amazing atmosphere when you're at, you know, at 5K races or races at all. You know, everybody's so positive and focused and drive and motivation. It's just everything is there. So I would go with friends, you know, go to the race, enjoy together, run. Uh, we would go on our own pace. So we just, you know start to race together, say hi and bye. And then at the end of the race, I will see my friends again. And it was fun. I was like in the packs, you know, running and, you know, feeling good. And of course, having this runs high. So everything is good and well. Then there was a moment that I was going on holiday to Kenya uh, to visit friends and, um, I noticed, you know, there are a lot of Kenyan runners that, you know, winning marathons or half marathons or breaking records. So I thought, you know what is a good idea? I'll go to Kenya to race, you know, to run with those amazing runners who win marathons and win races. Let's let's do that. So I went to Iten and the beautiful thing is when I, you know, came to Iten, it's just like you have to like this bow and it says like, welcome, to, welcome to Eton, welcome to the home of champions. And when you just, you know, 
Eaton is in high altitude, so when you drive up there, you can see those runners, like in groups, and wow, and everybody's running, and you see that bow, welcome to Eaton, the home of the champions, and it feels like that. So when I went there, I went to a training camp, uh, set myself out there, and I noticed, you know, while I was in, in E10, I was, you know, running. I met some Kenyans. I was running with them. And then, you know, for the afternoon, I would go to the gym. And I realized that when I was in the gym, I saw, you know, there were runners there. And I would ask them, like, oh, what is your time? <clears throat> and one of them would say, like, oh, my time was like 2.05 for a marathon. And I was like, 2.05, 2.05. I said, what was your position in the race? He said, like, oh, yeah, I won the race. And I was like, yeah, congratulations, by the way. And I was, like, tripping over champions, you know, everywhere. Like, this one here, Marathon, or the Boston Marathon, New York Marathon. It was just, like, Marathon written all over. And the funny thing was, I did not have any ambitions to win a race. I mean... At that time, I was thinking, you know, if we had like 150 women in the race, I would be like 50, 60. So nothing special. And I remember it was like training with the Kenyans, falling apart, that that pace was so high. I mean, the altitude, you know, in Eton, you're in altitude really high. It is really hot. <clears throat> And, you know, to train there, usually I get up like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning because it's then still cool outside. And then I would meet with other runners and then, you know, <clears throat> run for an hour, hour and a half before the sun comes up because then it's getting really hot. And then at the end of the day, 4 o'clock, you know, 5, still hot, you know, still 30, 35 degrees. And I was just like melting away. But... You know, everybody was doing, you know, twice a day running. So I also was doing twice a day running. Um, shorter than in the morning because the, the, the sun was out and not a lot of trees to cover it. So I would train two times a day and I would have some cross training in the, the gym, do some workout there. I was um, <clears throat> talking to one of the Kenyans, the runners, and he asked me, I remember that evening. So what are your plans for you going home? I said, you know, I was really proud. I said, I want to be in the top 10. And he looked at me. He said, top 10. I said, um, well, I said, then um, maybe, you know, top five. He looked at me. He said, top five? And then I looked at him and I said, you mean I need to win the race? And he looked at me and said, like, of course, it's win. You go back home to win. And I was in major shock at this moment because I never thought of winning a race. Because, you know, I'm outside, I'm fit, I'm feeling good. I'm getting, you know, my runners high, high on that one, feeling good, seeing, you know, and being fit and going outside, you know, 
being outside and having fresh air, hearing the birds sing, just being one with nature. For me, that was already it. And there was no thought that I could even like run this race. Oh, like win this race. So that was the first time I start thinking about the option of winning. When I came back home, I had, I think, you know, three races or four races, four or five K races on my schedule. I came to the first race. It was really cold. I mean, I came from Kenya. It was like 35 degrees. Came back home. I don't know, a few degrees, <laughs> one or two. My, my body was totally freezing. So when I came home, I got to my first race. And I felt like it was a disaster. I was cold. I could not get the pace. I was standing, you know, up front. The Kenyans told me that I needed to learn to start from the front usually i start in the middle you know being really modest they say don't do modest just go in front i went in front numbers one and two just went you know so quickly and i could not pick up the pace got a little bit annoyed um no other runners were running with me so one and two were gone um i was at third and there were, you know, of course, women behind me. And when I run that first race, when I came back and I became third, that I, that I really realized that I could, there is a possibility for me to win. And up until that time, I didn't believe that there was a possibility, but being third with, I think, 60 or 70 women means that I was in the top three. Well, that was different than a year ago when I was in, was in the top 60. So if you didn't, if we look at self-efficacy and self-confidence, when people say you have to have confidence, it's difficult um, to have confidence when you haven't done it. I've noticed for myself, I've tried the things, but it's difficult to really feel you can win a race when you are 60th or 70th, just, I don't know which position, but at up there that you can really win because that was my position before I went to Kenya to train with champions. When I came back, when I was in Kenya, being surrounded, and this is why I want to talk about self-efficacy. And why self-efficacy, which also in this example of running, which I found really important, is um, you have those components to observe. I was observing the runners. The attention to observe, to learn the right mindset. When you are there, and when I was there with the champions, they talk about how they prepare their races, how they start, what they eat, what they do. So that, the attention, when they're there, what they're talking about, what they're doing is so important. Retention. I could not remember everything, so I wrote it down. Like, oh, how do they prepare for the race? Oh, how much do they train? Of course, not everything is applicable for me because some of them were 
you know, training for marathons. I was not for 5K, 10K, sometimes 16K, um, half marathon. But um, but taking in, which was for me, retention, like, you know, writing things down, reproduction. Of course, it's easier said than done, but they're learning me how to strategize, how to win. Until this day, it was also always my strategy, and that worked for me a lot. Not only with the 5K races that I won, but also putting personal best times. You know, 5K is my strongest, 10K, I will do 15K, 16K, and a half marathons, and to strategize every race, um, how they did it was really important. And of course, the motivation to drive to win. And the self-efficacy uh, says everything about how you think, behave, and feel. And so not only your belief in the capability to succeed, but also the behavior component is, is important. So not only, oh, I can believe I can run and you don't go out running, or you go out late or you go party and the next day you're wasted. That is not if you only said like mindset, then it's only with the mind, but the, your behavior needs to come out of it as well. And I think that that's why I found that self-efficacy is a really beautiful one to look into. It has that observational learning. So you don't do everything by itself. And I always feel a little bit in this Western world that there's a lot of emphasis how you need to do everything by yourself. But it's difficult when you have big dreams, you want to achieve big things. And that dream is a little bit farther away than you notice that when you can observe people who are doing amazing things helps much more than only sipping everything out yourself. So much you can learn from books and things, but being... Uh, observing people who are really successful and of course being so close uh, helps a lot so this is me breaking down you know the conditions for success with uh, running um, and the self-efficacy theory and also the power of proximity which i found really important um so just let me know how that works for you is it for you only the mindset uh, can you can create conditions for success conditions for winning can you prepare to win just uh, let me know your thoughts on it you can always find me on social media um and uh, leave a comment so this was the one million euro stories episode about the conditions for winning the conditions for success with running with the kenyans and the self-efficacy theory and the power of proximity and mindset so next time i will talk about um part two of this one and uh hope to talk to you soon i hope you enjoyed this episode and i will talk to you next time this was an episode of the one million euro stories there is a new world to unlock Let's believe, let's be bold, let's be fierce, let us open a new door. I am Aris from the 1 million euro stories. 
Thank you for listening. And if you want to make sure that you know when a new episode comes out from the 1 million euro stories, click on subscribe on your podcast app and you will be notified when a new episode comes out. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next time.